the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its foams over me.
Welcome to our last live in the living room uh, together. I've got a special guest with me this morning. Uh, Simeon, do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi, well done. So we had we had planned to have three special guests with us, but we had two of them drop out and Simeon was the last one standing, weren't you, Sim? Yeah? Well, thank you for joining us. It's great to have Simeon. What have we been watching, Simeon? In the last couple of days, what were we watching yesterday and what were we watching this morning? Um, what were we looking at? Blasting off. We were watching a rocket blasting off into the sky. I don't know if many of you saw that rocket blasting off into the sky, the Dragon rocket from uh, NASA and SpaceX. And it's just amazing. We, we watched the launch um, yesterday and it was just amazing to watch this launch of this rocket go out into uh, space and it's captivating everybody's hearts and captivating everybody's imagination and it's just so good to think about these things and think about wow like people actually able to get out into space it's amazing but it reminds me of something in the scripture that we as human beings we long for more We as human beings, there's something in us, there's something in our hearts that longs for more than this world. I don't know if you've ever felt that in your heart or in your life before, but we long for more. We long for a better place. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that. It tells us that he has put eternity into man's hearts. God has put eternity into our hearts so that we long for something better. We long for something more. We long for something better than this planet. This is why SpaceX, they have the plan to make us, um, you know, an interplanet species, as they call it, so that we might one day end up living on Mars or whatever it is, as well as here. But you see, the problem with that is life's problems will still follow us when we get there. There will still be viruses if we get to another planet. There will still be death if we get to another planet. We will still have to build funeral homes if we get to another planet. And so the thing is, the problem is, as long as we are living on this earth, we will always long for more. And what we are longing for, what you are longing for, is eternity. And that is a good longing. And let me tell you something this morning, and what you will always hear from us, is that there is eternity to be found in the name of Jesus. If you believe and if you trust in Jesus, you too can have eternal life. The longing that you have in your heart is truly for eternity. So we would call on you to think about Jesus, to trust in Jesus. And as you go through this service, ask this question. Is Jesus real? And should I, should I give my life to him? So this morning uh, during the service, this is our last live in the living room. And next week we are going to start a new series and we'll we'll give an announcement on what that series is. We're going to take on a book in the Bible and I will be preaching uh, through for the next uh, few weeks on that. So we'd love you to join us uh, for that. And then this morning, uh, the order of service looks um, pretty much similar like we've had before. We will have Andrew, Abby, and I think Aaron is in there as well, um, singing My Worth is Not in What I Own. And then Steve Keating is going to bring us the last in the series of People Jesus Met. 
and we'll have another song and then we'll have a chance for interactions and comments and questions that you guys may have. So please, please do take the opportunity during the service uh, to put those things in. So we're delighted to have you here. I'm delighted to have my special guest with me. You did a great job, my friend. Well done. <laughs> and uh, enjoy the service, guys. God bless you. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you who are wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord.
together on the Lord's Day, uh, and what we get to do on the Lord's Day is we get to look at His very Word together. Uh, and so we're going to look back one more time at someone that Jesus met. And so Brendan was very gracious to allow me to continue the series that he began a few weeks ago. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to look at the Gospel of Luke together. And what I love about the Gospel of Luke are the stories of grace. Remember that the word gospel means good news. And we see good news of grace in the entire book of Luke. In fact, we see the stories of grace in the entire Bible. From cover to cover, God has shown himself to us. And that is grace. Just the fact that he's revealed himself to us. We're going to look at Luke 19, so you can turn in your Bibles with me to Luke 19. But even before we get there, I just want to go back a few chapters in Luke as we see him relaying these beautiful accounts of the grace of God through Jesus. So you don't have to turn there, but I just want to, I just want to recap a little bit what Luke has done prior to getting to Luke 19. And so in Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the lost son. The son who wanted his father dead, he demanded his inheritance, and then he goes out and squanders it. And that same son is welcomed back by his father as a true son, as a new heir, with a deep love from his father. We see the welcoming back of a prodigal. That is grace. In Luke 16, Jesus tells us of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, who was poor and destitute in this world, ends up in paradise when he dies. A homeless man, destitute, in paradise, that is grace. In Luke 16, sorry, in Luke 17, Jesus instructs his followers to forgive when a brother or a sister repents. Just the act of forgiveness, that is grace. In Luke 17 also, Jesus heals ten lepers who are crying out for mercy. Grace, the grace of Jesus. In 18, Jesus has children and infants coming to him so that he can bless them. And this is the Son of God, the Creator, welcoming these little babies, that is grace. In Luke 18, also, a blind man receives his sight. Someone who could never see suddenly can see, and that is grace. And then we come to chapter 19 here in Luke. And so we just looked at a couple chapters uh, briefly to see all these moments of grace, and then we get to chapter 19, and there's more amazing grace, and it's all over the text. And so I want to read the first 10 verses of Luke 19. Follow along with me. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. 
who was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me just pray with us quickly. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is full of your grace. Help us to see it now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first grace we see is grace that moves us. So Zacchaeus is a man who has swindled, he has lied, he has stolen, and that's his career. That's what he's done. And he is a chief tax collector. Now remember, Rome charged taxes, like a lot of nations. Uh, and so they had tax collectors that would collect the taxes. But the way that these collectors got paid is they would just charge more than what Rome was actually wanting, and they would keep that as profit, as their pay. Uh, and so they could charge whatever they wanted, and they would just keep the excess. And he was a chief tax collector, so he probably made profits for those that were under him. He has wealth, and he has power. He is short in stature, uh, but he's probably very tall in his own eyes. There is no earthly reason why he would want to see Jesus. Paul reminds us in Romans 3 that no one seeks God. No one. Not the rich, not the poor, not the young, not the old. No one. So why, why is Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus? Grace has stirred his spirit to make Jesus intriguing. Although he has wealth and power because of his line of work, he probably doesn't have any friends. He's despised. He's rejected. He's also probably very insecure. And grace has helped him to see this. It's moved him. This weasel of a man, this conniving tax collector, is curious about Jesus. Uh, what would have been a no-name carpenter. He's heard what he's been going on. He's probably been told of how Jesus is caring and loving and healing people. The impossibility of this man seeing his need for Jesus has suddenly become possible. You remember in Luke 18, Brendan brought this to our attention a couple weeks ago. Luke 18 shows us the rich young ruler who needed to make a decision. He had to choose between following Jesus and his wealth. And very sadly, he chose his wealth over following Jesus. But Jesus reminded the people that he, with God, 
all things are possible. What is the difference between these two men? On the one hand, you have this rich young ruler. On the other hand, you have Zacchaeus, who is also rich. What's the difference? Grace. Grace has moved in the heart of Zacchaeus to climb a tree just to have a look. He is seeking Jesus. That's just not normal. It's not normal to seek after Jesus. External and internal realities are keeping him from seeing Jesus. Externally, he's short. The man just can't see. Internally, he, he would be obsessed with his wealth and his power and his control. But grace takes over. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Listen, respectable men in the Middle East in the first century did not do these things. They did not run and they did not climb trees. That's child's play. But grace humbled Zacchaeus' heart. And look what this childlike faith gained him. Friends, have you been humbled to come to Jesus? Maybe you're watching this. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time in this, in this live stream. And you've never really met Jesus. Is this, is this because of your pride? Zacchaeus saw something in Jesus that he needed. Do, do you see? Do you see what you need in Jesus? Believer, do we forget that childlike faith is commendable? Are, are we outwardly delighting in our Savior? Are we willing to run and climb a tree to see him and just to see more of him without a care of who else is, is watching us? but just joyfully remembering our Savior. Grace moves us. It stirs us. But as one commentary writer put it that I read, he said, Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus, though commendable, was surpassed by the fact that Jesus wanted to see him. The Lord Jesus Christ created this universe. He created this world. He created the trees. He created this sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed. And he created Zacchaeus himself. And he orchestrates the convergence of all of this for this moment. Why? Why for this moment? Why this town, this day, this tree, this man? Why would he do that? To invite himself into Zacchaeus' life. This moment was planned before the foundations of the world so that Zacchaeus could be introduced to Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus is doing that in your life as well? He did that in my life. He orchestrated the events of my life so that I could meet him. Because grace invites us the second grace we see here. Grace moves us and grace invites us. We saw that grace has moved Zacchaeus to this point of seeking Jesus. <clears throat> now we see even more grace because Jesus invites him. Let me read 5 to 7 again of chapter 19. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house. 
So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. These, beautiful, these, these verses are beautiful. Jesus calls him by his name. He urges him to hurry. Jesus wants to be with this man. This despised, lying, conniving, greedy weasel of a man. Jesus wants to go to his house. Zacchaeus had likely never had someone willing to ask to come to his house. Well, I'm sure he had people in his house. I'm sure he had parties, and I'm sure he had people over, and I'm sure he had women in his house. But he probably paid for all of that. And here, the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, is asking to go to his house. Jesus loves him anyway. Why? Why would the Son of God love this man so much? Well, if we, if we, if we cheat and we go ahead to verse 10, we see why. This is the key verse, really, for the whole book of Luke. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He did not come for those who have it together. By the way, those people don't exist. There is no one who really has it together. Outwardly, there may be people that look like they have it together, but they don't. We're all broken messes. And Jesus came to seek and to save us from those messes. That's why he came. That's why he's loving Zacchaeus in this moment. Because that's, that's his mission. That's who he is. That's grace. We are being rescued by Jesus from our lostness. Zacchaeus had an invitation. We too needed an invitation from Jesus. And, and this is it. Zacchaeus' invitation is our invitation. We know this from the scripture. We know this. If we go to Matthew 11, we see in verse 28 and 30, Jesus says these words. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What if... What if Zacchaeus just stayed in the tree? What if he loved his money so much? What if he loved his power so much? What if he loved his control so much that, that he just stayed in the tree? We know that inherently people hate grace. That's how twisted I am. I, I, would, I, I hate grace in my natural form. And that's how twisted you are. You hate grace. And we know that, again, from the, from the text. Look at verse 7. It says, And when they, the people, saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Before grace moves us and invites us, we, we hate it. Why do we hate it? Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Second Corinthians says that for we, those that follow God, those that respond to his invitation, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. 
to the other a fragrance from life to life. Zacchaeus, in this moment, was an aroma, a fragrance of death to those around him. They don't realize it, but they think they deserve something better than Zacchaeus. And whenever we think that, whenever we have that entitlement mentality, we're actually condemning grace. We're denying the gospel because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We're all lost. Zacchaeus could have stayed lost in his greed and his power and his control. He could have done that. Are you lost in greed? Maybe you're lost in pornography. Maybe you're lost in sexual immorality. Maybe you're lost in drugs. Maybe you think you don't have any of those big issues because you're, you're just better than that. Well then, sorry friend, but you're lost in your pride and your self-righteousness. If you don't think you have any big issues, remember, we have all sinned against a holy God. There is no bigger issue or problem than that. But there's no greater solution than the invitation of Jesus. That's grace. Is this you today? Is Jesus telling you to hurry and come down from the tree, but you want to settle instead for what you have? Why does Jesus tell him to hurry? What's, what's the rush? There's an urgency in that statement. Hurry and come down. This is because the invitation is for today. The invitation is not for tomorrow. Jesus is not asking you to follow him tomorrow. He's asking you to follow him today. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. The Apostle Paul again in 2 Corinthians, he says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Stop looking at Jesus from afar and get to know him by faith. He's inviting you. And he's inviting you to something greater. When Valerie and I were on our honeymoon, we went to Curacao, which is one of the Netherlands Antilles. There's three islands just north of the Venezuelan coast. And we stayed at this amazing place called Cura Huilanda. Uh, it, was, it was just stunning, this old Dutch village that they had renovated. Uh, however, we, we woke up on our first morning to jackhammers at 7 a.m., pounding, pounding away at 7 a.m. Clearly, it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, you're kind of wanting rest, want to sleep in, uh, you're away, we're in our honeymoon. Um, so we went, we went to the front desk and we asked, could, could we change our room? I, I did conveniently mention that we were on our honeymoon, hoping that maybe that, that would, you know, get, get us something nice. <clears throat> As the two women at the front desk conspired with each other, and they really were conspiring with each other, one of them uh, looked at me and, and she looked at both of us and she smiled and she said, you're going to be shocked. Our first room, guys, was amazing. Every room there was bound to be amazing. But they decided to upgrade us to this two-story suite that was far above anything that we would be able to afford. What we had, we, we thought, was incredibly amazing. But we needed our eyes opened to what was available to us. 
if we didn't take the upgrade, that would seem kind of silly. We, we could have, you know, stayed in our room and enjoyed our 7 a.m. jackhammer alarm every morning. So we could have done that. We could have stayed in the tree looking down. But the grace of these two ladies at the front desk invited us into something better. Jesus is inviting you into something beyond what you can imagine. Again, the, the Apostle Paul, he summarizes in 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, It is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Grace invites us. Have you received that invitation? It's only for today. And finally, the third grace that we see. We saw that grace moves us. We saw that grace invites us. And now we see that grace changes us. I'm going to read again verses 8 to 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Verse 8 is intended to be a bit awkward. It's a bit abrupt. Zacchaeus just kind of starts in with this. We need to go back, I mean, we need to remember in chapter 18 that Jesus said this, and and Brendan mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Basically saying it's impossible. It's impossible for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. But not with God. Because with God all things are possible. So Zacchaeus starts giving away his money. He gives half of his money to the poor. He gives four times the amount back to all those that he defrauded. We can read this in a few seconds but don't let the weight of what's happening pass you by this rich man is giving his money away he stole and swindled his whole life and now he's giving his money away grace changes us it changes us Zacchaeus has been changed by the grace of Jesus it's not the giving of the money that has changed him it's not the work it's not the doing that has changed him The giving of the money is the indicator that he's been changed. All our good deeds are filthy without the grace or centered motivations. Sorry. All our good deeds are filthy without the grace centered motivations of loving Jesus that faith brings. Faith brings us to a point of having grace centered motivations to do things that we wouldn't normally do because. We've been changed. Do do you see these changes in your own life? Change is not always fast or instant, is it? But our desires, when we come to Christ, they shift. Our desires shift. Our motivations shift. We start to long for righteousness and justice, just like Jesus. And we joyfully and humbly repent, just like Zacchaeus. That's not normal. That's grace changing us. Remember verse 9, it says, Today salvation came to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. 
That phrase, son of Abraham, means someone with faith. That's what that means. Remember, Abraham is known to have believed God, and it counted to him as righteousness. We see that in Genesis. We see that in Galatians. We see that in Romans. He's the father of faith. And so Jesus is, is saying this man, Zacchaeus, he's a son of Abraham. He's a true son of Abraham because he has had faith. If you're outside of faith in Christ today, this is the day of salvation. Believe this good news of the grace of Christ and be changed like Zacchaeus. Today is the day of salvation and Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. Believer, those of you in Christ, change is ongoing. We need to be rescued every day. The gospel is for us today just like it was for us yesterday and just like it will be for us tomorrow. I have a friend in Kentucky, uh, and he would pray, and it's the first time I ever heard someone pray this. He's a believer, uh, and it was just a simple prayer, but he would pray when we would pray together, and he would say, Jesus, save me from my sins today. You know, we often think of a, a, a sinner's prayer, prayer of salvation, of, of save me from my sins, but, but I need to be saved from my sins today. Once we put our faith in Christ, our faith is in Christ, but I still, I, I need to believe the gospel today. Believer, ask Jesus for more grace. Ask him for more faith. Ask him for more joy. Ask him for more peace. That you might rest in him. So the question you want to ask yourself, are, are you in the tree looking down? Or are you in the house feasting with the Lord Jesus as a changed one. He came to seek and to save the lost. And everyone Jesus ever met was lost. Hurry down from your tree and follow him.
Amazing grace, a wonderful message of grace uh, from Steve this morning. Let me read to you um, Ephesians chapter two. And as I'm reading uh, this passage, I wonder if you could um, think upon the grace that there is in Jesus Christ. What wonderful grace we have in him. And as I'm reading and as I'm sharing, please do leave your comments here uh, beside for us so that we can interact and have this time of of prayer and questions and reflections. Um, If you're on YouTube, make sure to leave some comments for us here. We can see those as well. If you're on Facebook Live, we can see them as well. So please do um, share for this time. Let me read these words, all too familiar words for us, but it is just so wonderful. And I've been reminded of it again this morning. He says this in Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one, no one can boast. And I think it is clear 
from these passages and clear from what Steve was sharing with us this morning. So wonderful in its thoughts of grace. God was moving in grace in his life and Jesus went toward him and Jesus said to him, you come down. Grace found him. Grace changed him. And it's just wonderful to think of that. And, and this verse in verse seven, I'm blabbing, but it's just a wonderful verse. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you see what that means is we are saved by grace. And once we come into the coming ages, once we come into eternity, he is going to be showing us for eternity the immeasurable riches of God's grace. You will see the riches of his grace again and again and again, day after day. His grace will not stop sweeping over us for all of eternity. And we will see the immeasurable, immeasurable riches of his grace toward us. Oh, it is wonderful. And I know you're probably saying, what's wrong with him right now? But grace is so wonderful. And I'm just so glad to have been able to reflect on that reality. We know the song, um, Amazing Grace That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Twas grace that brought me here thus far, and grace will lead me home. Um, wonderful, wonderful verses. So let us um, have our time of interaction uh, right now and, and, and chat together. Um, so wonderful again to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, being with us here this morning. Dad says, good morning uh, from Facebook. Good morning, beautiful uh, day that God has given us. And um, yeah, it's great to be getting the sun. Uh, I haven't been out in it too much as I've been studying lately. So I've been jealous of a, a lot of people out in the sun. But uh, it was wonderful. Yesterday I went out and, and walked with the kids and it was just a wonderful uh, day. Brendan and Evelyn, good morning to you from Facebook. Um, Holly. Great that you could join us. Thank you for coming and visiting uh, this morning uh, with us. Uh, Shane and Luana, the Dean household, say good morning. We had Simeon with us this morning. He did a great job. Well done, Simeon. I know you're watching. Thank you for helping me, bud. You did a brilliant job. Um, Claire, uh, what a beautiful morning to be gathered together. Thank God for his beautiful creation. And all the good weather he has given us during this lockdown. It is wonderful to be thankful, isn't it, Claire? That's what I love about your message here is that we can still be thankful in this time. And, and, and what can happen is we can tend toward grumbling and complaining in a time like this. But it is so wonderful when God, by his grace, by his mercy, gives us the sun to shine. And we can truly see on days like today and days like we've just had that the heavens declare the glory of God. And it is a wonderful uh, thing to see. Eliana and Maro, good to see you. Hope the, hope the others are able to um, click in and watch as well. Brilliant to have you uh, here on Facebook. Baptist Missions, Irish Baptist Missions, well, the boss is watching, uh, so hello, Mervyn, if, you, if that's you, it could be Joanne, I don't know who's in charge of those things, but uh, yeah, great to have you this morning, so thanks for joining us from YouTube, 
uh, Karen O'Connell, great to have you. Good morning to you. Um, uh, Danny, if you're watching, thank you for doing the reading uh, there as well this morning. It was wonderful to have you do that and, and share that with us. So thank you for that. Steve Keating, good morning. Soraya, great to have you. Uh, good morning. And good that Soraya is able to say good morning to others. Um, the Ahuda family, wonderful to have you, Sue Ellen, and um, thanks for joining us um, there with us. And Ahuda and Jeddah, thank you for joining us with, with us. Uh, Aaron and Anne, or Aaron Duan, sorry, thank you for joining us. Um, good morning to you. I was about to say, I should have said Andrew and Anne, apologies. Aaron, good, thanks for joining us. Um, who else do we have? Benedict, or Benedict, I think. Thank you for joining us. Good to have you. Sorry if I didn't pronounce your name right. Soraya says you're coming all the way from Hungary. So apologies if I didn't pronounce your name right. I'm not really good at, at doing this. I've been um, kind of flustered as I'm reading through some of these. So apologies if I um, didn't get these things right. Let's go into some of the verses uh, for this morning. We have a verse from Claire Kingston. Such a great uh, verse to focus on firstly. John 3.16. Let me read it to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that is the promise for you this morning. If for some reason you have just tuned in or, or watched and, and maybe you heard um, the message from um, um, Steve this morning, this wonderful message, Jesus is inviting you inviting you to experience his grace why would you not come and experience his grace and the verse that Claire shared with us is is God has so loved the world that he gave his son that if you believe in him you too can have eternal life and so I would ask you I would call you to believe in Jesus this morning and trust in him for eternal life Shane and Luana, um, Luana writes, we need him today. Let us humbly come to him and he will receive us. What a glorious savior. Thank you, Jesus. It is amazing. Um, as, as, as Steve was reflecting on the stories of grace, that was so wonderful to trace, trace through that theme that, that Jesus goes to the rejected and the afflicted in this world, the nothings, the nobodies, and he invites them in. So let us come to Jesus and he too will invite us in. Andrew, this is you this time, Andrew, and uh, not Aaron, but Andrew, good to have you. Um, Andrew says, if you say, I've been hit by a truck by a truck only five minutes ago. There should be obvious, visible signs, and your story is is highly unlikely. Much more so if if one encounters the holy. Um, I can't see the rest of the comments, but I'm assuming um, our holy God or one is encountered by uh, the Holy Spirit or our Savior, and so. The amazing tr truth about that is that grace, it does change us. This is um, similar to the point Steve was saying, that if grace hits us, 
grace comes to us, like Andrew is saying, if grace hits us like a truck, there is going to be a difference. There should be evidences of God's grace in your life. We don't work out those things. We don't, we don't, um, any good thing we do is centered upon and has the grounding and foundation of grace behind it all, subsuming it all, consuming it all. Aaron writes um, from Facebook, grace paid for my sins and has brought me to life. Grace clothes me with power to do what is right. Grace will lead me to heaven where I'll see his face and never cease to thank him for his grace. Wonderful um, words of that song. There in heaven, I will never cease to thank him for his grace. That verse in Ephesians is so important for that. Because throughout the ages, he will invite us in. And he will continually show us the immeasurable riches of his grace. And for eternity, we will never cease to thank him for that grace. Veronica, lovely to have you here and thank you. What a beautiful message it was, Veronica, yes, and that is so true. So thank you, Steve and Veronica, thanks for joining again uh, from Luxembourg. Good to have you. Um, Tom, uh, as you always do, you share a wonderful um, verse. Let us see this verse. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I would encourage you and then challenge you to rejoice in this day and the grace um, that God has given us. Jackie, wonderful to have you. Good morning to you. Uh, Jackie and Alan, great to have you um, with us. And praise God that we can join together and not feel apart. Rosie, uh, thank you for joining us from, from Facebook. Thanks for the your words and enjoy this beautiful day. And that is exactly what we should do in response to this grace that we have received in Jesus. Let me finish with these words again. And let me encourage you to think upon the grace of God today. That is what we will be thinking upon for eternity. So let us begin that thought today. Grace that saved a wretch like me. All of you who have trusted in Jesus have had that moment where he says, come on, I'm going to your house today. And so um, we thank him for that wonderful grace that we have in Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, the final word I'll say, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is a gift of God. You are saved by grace. You were not saved by what you're doing. It is a gift of God so that no one may boast. Let us leave today and boast in our Savior. And I can't wait to see you next Sunday as we start in our new series on a book of the Bible that I love so much. God bless you. See you next Sunday.